Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. We're ready to go. We're here. We're back. We rest of the sermon. Two cups of coffee from a Keurig in the lobby of Smart Marketing. I need it on this Monday, brother. Yeah, I'm man. Dragging, I have been like, I have been really minimalizing the amount of coffee that I take in, and this is a very large cup for me right now. So yeah. I might start talking a lot in loud circles here. I go bit, through seasons in coffee, so I'll do like hot coffee in the winter, yeah, iced coffee, but. Yeah, the amount of caffeine that I intake in a day is is absolutely a problem. It's too much for sure. <laughs> for sure, oh, man. That's My wife, is. one of the many reasons why I love her, but like, she just never consumes coffee. Yeah, like a lot anything. She's hardly, a tea drinker, right? She drinks tea at night. Always decaf. Yeah. Yeah. And when she has caffeine, dude, it is like two days. It affects her. Just yeah. like if she drank a regular cup of green tea yeah. that had, you know, 60 milligrams maybe yeah. of, of, of caffeine. Half a cup of coffee, like, yeah. Would fry her, yeah. <laughs> dude. It's crazy. That's funny. That's funny. Well, we are continuing our journey. This is part two of Acts chapter two. Last yep. week, we were in verses one through 13, and that was part one, and this is part two for the really rest big of the chapter. sermon. Yeah, 14 through 47, we get the guy who denied Jesus three times preaching the gospel. Amen. Which is incredibly awesome. And so the big idea from this week was the source of the Christian life is the Holy Spirit. That was actually from last week. And this week, it's the Holy Spirit empowers believers to proclaim and practice the gospel. But yeah. the thing that we worked from here is essentially every movement has a message. Yep. Every movement has a message. The movement that we see taking place at Pentecost and in Acts chapter 2 has a message, and we see the message here in the text that we have for us this week. But I want to start with a personal aspect. Um, what's a message or a sermon that you remember that had a profound impact on your life? <clears throat> Yeah, man, that's a big question. I mean, I grew up as a preacher's kid, and so I remember seeing my dad preach, and I remember there being times where I was like, hmm, there's something. This is probably a big deal, like seeing right. invitations. But the one, when you asked me that, that immediately came to my mind was I went to, um, I was a student pastor in St. Louis yeah, and went to um, a pastor's conference, and this guy preached and I had, I don't think I had ever seen someone use their personality, yeah. like humor and just, hey, this is who I am, yeah. but also exegete. I mean, he just walked verse by verse through Second yeah. Timothy, some of the last verses. I still remember all of his points started with F about uh, Timothy's, wor- or Peter's, or I'm sorry, Paul's word to Timothy yeah. in the last words. And it was just a thing, preach the word to pastors. And I just yeah, remember man. leaving going, man, the pa- that was, pa- like I remember experiencing the power, yeah. I think, of the word for yeah. the first time. Yeah. So that's really awesome. For me, it would probably be, um, I downloaded it and like donated the whole $2 and everything because Alistair Begg is my homeboy. Yeah. Um, he did a series uh, years ago on uh, the fruit of the spirit um, where he covers all of it, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And just listening to this was back when I was part time, I think, at Westside, yeah. doing a lot of driving and stuff. And I was listening to this, and 
it's so timely with where we're at right now and the Holy Spirit in the Bible, but man, just understanding that apart from the Holy Spirit, we don't have things like peace. Right. We don't have things like kindness. We don't have things like self Like, don't wow. drink three cups of coffee. Yep. Like, we don't have any of that without the Spirit. It's a phenomenal series, and it and it was incredibly uh, memorable for me. It came to my mind. That's cool. Really, really good. Well, we are in Acts chapter 2. I'm going to go ahead and read the text from this week. I'm not going to read all of the... Uh, all of the verses from 14 to 47, but I'll read what we read on Sunday. So if you want to join us, we'll be in Acts chapter 2, and I will be beginning in verse 14. Acts chapter 2 starting, I'm sorry, verse 37. Verse 37 of Acts chapter 2. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, For the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as anyone had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Thanks be to God for his word. Amen. Massive response to the gospel being proclaimed and preached by Peter. People cut to the heart, people asking questions, what do we do about this? And I love that you broke this down for us in this second section of part two, walking through Acts 2, with the big idea the Holy Spirit empowers believers to do two things— to one, proclaim the gospel, and number two, to practice the gospel. And so I just want to pause for just a moment. We live in a day and an age where we are told that if we muster up enough or if we try hard enough or if, if we get the right app or if we order and structure our lives the right way, then we can produce something which is good. And to, to a degree, that's true. But when it comes to proclaiming the gospel message, we are sort of told to practice the same thing. Like we are sort of told that this is something that has to come from deep within you, how the Lord spurs you to share it. We're going to get into all of that stuff later. But I want to talk about the importance before we get into this first point that you brought us to, the Holy Spirit empowers us to proclaim the gospel and in the ways that it's done. Yeah. Why is it important that it's the Holy Spirit that guides us? Why is it important that we acknowledge that proclaiming the gospel is not something that we can do on our own? Yeah, so one of the things that we're going to see and the reason why the first couple chapters, really primarily like the first five chapters, take a little bit of time in the study of the book of Acts is because you need to set the groundwork and show people a few things that will repeatedly come up in the rest of the book. Yeah. And one of the main things that comes up in the book is, let's say, Peter being filled with the Spirit yeah. stands up and says, yeah. or Stephen filled with the Spirit. Yeah. We see right before anybody speaks, Luke, the writer, lets us know that they are filled with the Spirit. Yeah. 
And it's one of the things that we said going back on the big idea of last week, yeah. that the source of the Christian life is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so the whole it, of the Christian life. Yes, yeah. and so if the gospel message is a supernatural message, then it requires supernatural means to communicate that message. Yeah. And it is fundamentally the difference maker. And so there are people who are in a room when the gospel is proclaimed yeah. who respond and have a certain response to the gospel. Right. And then there are certain people who do not have that response. Yeah. And the, the, the beautiful thing is, is the task and the weight of that does not rely on the messenger. Yeah. That's totally the doings of God yeah. and, and, and the spirit. Are there ways that we can... Um violate or or poorly communicate or even not communicate the gospel at all apart from the Holy Spirit? Like, what ways do yeah. we do that? Yeah, I think it would almost be the inverse of these four points. Yeah. So well, let's just jump. We can just jump yeah. into those then. So, so the big idea: the Holy Spirit empowers believers to do two things: to proclaim and practice the gospel. The first one's this: it empowers us to proclaim the gospel. And we've got four ways here that we see in the text that that we can kind of go by and use as like a litmus test of whether or not the Holy Spirit is fueling this gospel message. And and, and really quickly, this is not the only way. Right. What this is, we see Paul later on um, at Mars Hill, and he quotes like Stoic philosophers. Mm -hmm. But what these four points are, are general grids mm -hmm. that you can lay on probably every sermon in the book of Acts. Yeah. Um, but now we also see Jesus, you know, proclaiming the kingdom over a meal. Right. So, so, so this is not the, the only right. way, but it's the right. primary way in the book yeah. of Acts. Well, the first way that we see here is actually found in verse 14. We didn't just read it, but you can kind of go back and, and emphasize it. It's open or revisit it. Sorry. Open your mouth yeah. is the first one. You got to say something. Yep. You got to talk. You got to be willing to speak all of that. Verse 14, it says here, Peter, Standing with the eleven, the elven, the, right. ele the eleven. That's my notes. Yeah, sorry. Right. Stand, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, like he opened his mouth. Yeah, man. He. It's important that we like. I love that. I love. I. I don't know if it's Billy Graham or if it's just a trope that goes around. But uh, you mentioned it on Sunday. Uh, preach the gospel and at all times, and if necessary, use words. Yeah, That's it, it. Like, they say, and crazy, the day we record this is the feast of St. Francis of Assisi. Yeah. They say that St. Francis of Assisi said at one point, because he was so involved in social work, pre preach the gospel at all times and, ne and when necessary, use yeah. words. The problem is that's nowhere in his writings. <laughs> but but there's a ditch on either side of the road, so there's a theological camp that's like, all we have to do is preach the gospel and social implications will take care of themselves. Right. Well, the problem with that is, is Jesus healed people. Right. He didn't just preach the gospel, he healed people, he yeah. fed people. Yeah. And then there's a whole group of people that are like, we just need to love people, we just need to dig wells, yeah. we just need to feed people and we'll love them into the kingdom. Kingdom. The problem is, is we can feed people and give them clean water and send them to hell. Yeah. Because we still have to share. We yeah. have to open our mouth. Right. Yeah. Well, and Christian, I think Christians are culturally really good at this. We're good at opening our mouths. We right. love to talk. We like to teach. But culturally, on the other side of the coin, we've been trained to often leave the talking and the teaching to the pastors, right. to the pastoral team, and to teachers and stuff, and the church. Right. So let's say someone's listening to this. Maybe they heard the sermon on Sunday, and they, they love listening to this podcast. And if that's you, thank you. Amen. We love, we love that you're listening. We love that you're hungry for this. Let's say some that person's working an office job, just nine to five in a cubicle. Yep. Doing that, if yep. you could hear that. Talking that's great. And tapping. Um, what's a way that they can open their mouth? Like may, maybe even apart from like 
Paul here, Stephen later on, like standing up on a lunch table and like screaming the gospel in the middle of lunchtime. What's a way that they can open their mouth and maybe in their work environment and share the gospel? Yeah, I think it's very simply doing what you already do. And so when we see Jesus say, go and make disciples, it's actually as you're going is what the original language says. As you go, make disciples. Yeah, so let's say it's Monday, you get into the office and, you know, the the chit chat is, man, did you have a good weekend? We had a great weekend, man. We did this, ate with the family. Man, we went to church on Sunday and heard the most incredible sermon (laughs) ever. No. And so we had a great time at church on Sunday. Sunday. And I mean, I mean, I think that you show it in, in your life in that way, but you're also opening up your mouth as well. Yeah. And and maybe so, so I think that's a very general, just low hanging fruit way to do that. You know, the second way I think is if you're having a conversation with somebody that, that keeps coming up with a very serious issue in the person's life. Yeah. I think it, the challenge for point number one of open up your mouth is You've had the same conversation with that person, that coworker, seven, eight times. Right. And now it's on you to say, and you know what? We've had the same conversation about your marriage or about your mother-in-law or about whatever. Man, I've never really asked you before, like, what do you think of Jesus? Yeah. Because... I am a Christian, and I think there's just a lot more at play yeah. than just X, Y, or Z. I think, I think we're spiritual beings, yeah. and I just never asked you before what you think about that. Yeah, man. I think asking questions more than making statements when it comes to this yeah. is very important. You yeah. know? So, no, that's really good. We're learning something um, in Gravity right now, year two of Gravity Leadership, which is an awesome resource for leaders. Um, if you guys want to check them out, they're yeah. great. Um, we're, le- we're learning um, what we were talking about just before, like maybe initiating, hey, what do you think about Jesus, um, the invitation aspect. We've sort of culturally as believers and, and just even in the world, we've we've thought about this idea of time. I don't have time for blank. I don't yep. have time for a conversation, whatever it is. And and really what gravity is getting at and what you had mentioned is inviting people, just as it's translated, as you're going, what you're already doing, as you go make disciples. And as ridiculous as this sounds, it could be as simple as, hey, our family's going to the ball game on Friday night. Yes come with us yep. or I, co- I coach a basketball team or whatever. Like let's, let's do this together and joining people in and just saying, Hey, come along with me, see how I live my life and, and join in with it. And then those conversations can present themselves and you can open your mouth and have some boldness in that, which 100%, I'm, dude. Yeah, I think, I think it's a very valuable thing for us to take away to realize we don't have to carve out more time because we only have so many hours in the week. Right. We can just invite people to what we're doing. Do you eat dinner at night? Invite right. someone home for dinner. Sure. Like, yeah, that's great. So open your mouth. Open your mouth. The second one is this, is use the scriptures. Use the scriptures. I love here in verse 16 what was broken down for us, but this is what was uttered through my mind last night when I was dreaming. Right. This is what was uttered through. No, it's, it's this is what was uttered through the scriptures. The yeah. prophet Joel like Peter puts his confidence and his emphasis on a message that's already been preached, 100%. a message that's already been communicated. Because, and, you know, I, I had this phrase, when you stand up, you better be standing on something. Yeah. And so when he stands up, it says that he stands with the 11 and addresses. He's got to be standing on something yeah. for his confidence. Yeah. And he stands on the very word of God yeah, to man. be able to do that. That's so good. We used an illustration of the How God Speaks chart. Yeah. I would love for us to walk through that again. Um, I think it's extremely important because we do live in a day, and, and we're in the thick of it in the Bible Belt, man. We have so many different denominations. We've got people, like we mentioned last, like 
last week, uh, Father, Son, and the Holy Bible. Sure. And we've got the other side of the pendulum where if the wind blows and I thought I heard my name rustled in the leaves, then that's the Holy Spirit. Right. Everywhere in between. We can think that we are communicating something that's either biblical or that the Holy Spirit has communicated to us, but I think what this chart does immensely helpful, it roots what we communicate from the gospel in God's Word and sort of breaks down how common it is in Scripture for people to quote the Bible, to say something that the Holy Spirit you know, maybe sure. brought to their mind or whatever. So let's go through that chart. I would love to talk yeah. about that for a minute. I think the reason why it's important is, I mean, because again, what we're seeing in the book of Acts is we're laying, laying groundwork is one of the primary things that the spirit does is it empowers people to speak. Yeah. And so just pastorally, I knew, okay, we've got to address this and figure this out because right. in what way, shape or form do we decipher or discern that it's the, I mean, cause what we're saying is that Peter, a man stood up and is saying, right. God said this. Right. Whoa. Okay, yeah. like, I think it's okay, guys, to recognize and go, yeah. wait a second here. Yeah. Is there guardrails? Like, yeah. how do we figure it's this out? It's also important to contextually remember his audience. Sure. From what we remember in the text last week, it's G- it's fellow Jews, yep. other people who were devout believers 100%. as well, Jewish believers. So that's that also drives very home for them. They would have known this passage. Absolutely, yeah. for sure. And so what we just said was broken down in three categories, and this is the way that I had it taught to me. This is by far and in, in no means original to me, but it's the method, the frequency, See, and then what we see in the scriptures is how do we test a word from the Lord? God wants us to do that. And so the first method is is just from the word of God itself. And yeah. we said, listen, you're batting a thousand, okay? Yeah, right. That's very common, and yeah. you don't need to test that. You just obey that. Yeah. So if there's chapter and verse, if, hey, hey, what should I do in response to the gospel? Right. Repent and be baptized. Right. Well, because that's Acts 2, 36 and 7. Right. So yeah. we don't need to test that. We just obey that. Yeah. The second one is this, from from the word of God through a person. Yeah. Okay. Um, now each one of these are going to get less and less in frequency, I would say. Yeah. But um, the way that we test that is, is we're, we, we're humble and we check it. Yeah. And I know what you're saying. So what are you saying? Every Sunday I should check my pastor? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah. Because there were these Bereans in the book of Acts and every time Paul preached, they jotted down notes yeah. and then they went back and they searched the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was right. right. Is yeah. this new covenant right? One of the things I love is if we have a misspelling, which will be super common with me because I am hooked <laughs> on phonics. But you know, a lot of times somebody will say, hey, that said Ephesians 2, 1, right. and it's actually Ephesians 2, mm-hmm. 3. Love that because that. you, had, because on, you yeah. had your Bible in your hand. So that's right. awesome. Um, the third category, which is going to get a little bit more, um, I wouldn't even say less common, is I would start to use the words um, not common yeah. now. Yeah. Is um, It's a word from a person that doesn't... Con- so, so the person is not saying, yeah. hey, this morning I was reading my Bible yeah. and Psalm 23.1 and God immediately brought you to my mind. Yeah. What this person is saying is, I was praying... Yeah. And I feel that the Spirit impressed upon me to tell you yeah. to keep going. Yeah, I don't know what that means, um, but that's just what I feel. So I don't think that's going to be as common as we like it to be. Yeah. Okay, because now we're not leaning on "Thus saith the Lord." We're right. you know we're leaning on. This is just an impression that right. I had. Yeah. Um, I think that you need to check that carefully. I think you need to check it with the Word of God. Yeah. Well, I think there's three things, criteria. 
your the spirit of God, yeah. the word of God, and the people of God. Yeah. I think those are always the criteria. Yeah. Um, but listen, I also want us to be free to be able to say those things right. and, and to do that. And so this chart is not like to lessen this, it's to give us clarity and freedom to be able to do this. Yeah, that's good. Um, and then I would say, you know, from the Holy Spirit to my spirit. Mm. So now what you're saying is, in a way, yeah. this is the way so, somebody like me hears this. Yeah. The Spirit of God only told me right. that you should yeah. blank. Yeah. And, and the only authority when I hear it the first time is me. Yeah. Is right. what you're saying is me. Right. Listen, that is like extremely uncommon, even yeah. in the Bible. Right. Okay. Right. I mean, like yeah. in Acts, there's a few times where Paul's like, Yeah, I feel like the Spirit just said to me. And yeah. uh, and and even the people in the church are like, We don't think the Spirit said that. <laughs> and he's like, Nope, the Spirit said that. And he right. goes out and does it, and it's right and it's good and true. Yeah. But that is where you I mean highly cautious. You yeah. need to check with multiple people. Right. Um, I think you need to flesh that out more. Yeah. We don't know when the season of that is. And then lastly, because I believe God does speak this way yeah. um, in a dream, um, we see this in the scriptures. Right. Again, we see this less in the scriptures than we do anything else. Yeah. Um, but I would be extremely cautious yeah. for somebody coming up to me saying, I had a dream last night that you should quit pastoring Westside. Mm. Well, and that I should be the new pastor. It, yeah. That's <laughs> usually, unfortunately, that. what follows. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I say all of that to say, listen, the whole theme of this series is rooted and renegade. Yeah. We want to be rooted in God's word and yeah. we want to be renegaded in the spirit of God. Yeah. And I believe what this chart does is it helps us to do that. Yeah. That's so good, man. Super helpful chart. We're going to pop that graphic in the show notes for you guys or a link to it or something, a way for you to be able to see that if you didn't snap a picture of it or write it down on Sunday. So open your mouth, use the scriptures. And then number three, I love this one, get to Jesus. Yep. Get to Jesus. In verse 22, he says, men of Israel hear these words. Jesus That's of it, Nazareth. Man. That's it. Men of Israel hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. And then he goes on to reference Jesus way many more times throughout these verses in his sermon. And he says in verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. Yeah. We've got to get to Jesus. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think this is why this is so important because inevitably somebody's going to have questions. Right. Hey, so do you think the earth is 6,000 years old or what happened to the dinosaurs? That's well, everyone who asks that question sounds just like that. Yep. And, and my <laughs> response is, I don't know. Right. But what do you think about Jesus? Yeah, man. Because listen, Jesus separates himself from every other shaman if everybody else said, this yeah. is how you get to God, yeah. Jesus said, I'm God. Yeah, man. And if that's true, we have to reckon with it. Yeah. And so I think constantly divert the conversation back to Jesus as much as you can. Yeah. Historically, yeah. this well, person. What do you think? Because there's a lot in, in Western evangelicalism when it comes to sharing the gospel. Like we may even have open your mouth and use the scriptures well, but when it comes to getting to Jesus. Yep it's almost neglected or like very hesitant to do that. What do you think other than, I mean, I have an, I have an idea for an answer, but what do you think causes it, What do you think is one of the root causes that keeps us from getting to Jesus? Get to my agenda. Yeah. I mean, I remember my dad saying his testimony, hmm. 
before he was saved, he worked in this factory and there were these other guys there who were Christians. He didn't really even know that they were Christians. Yeah. My dad has an experience watching Billy Graham on TV. My dad's got long hair, beard, looks like the Beatles on Abbey Road. And he goes to work the next day and is like, bro, I got baptized Sunday. <laughs> and then all of a sudden these guys started going, were you baptized in Jesus' name? Oh, did you man. speak in tongues? Yeah. Did you? Who did your baptism? Was yeah. it in the KJV Bible? Was right. it in... Dad said he'll never forget going, well, you never talked. I didn't even know you were a Christian. Right. You never talked to me about Jesus. Mm. And instead of thanking and being grateful, yeah. you want to argue with how I was baptized. Mm. That is a stain on yeah. the American church. Yeah. And the reason why we don't get to Jesus is because, going all the way back to Acts 1, just like the apostles, we get confused with our own agenda. Is yeah. it now time for you to restore the kingdom of Israel? Right. It is not time. And that's not what this is about. It's about the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. we got to get to Jesus. Open your mouth, use the scriptures, and get to Jesus. And then the fourth one I love is is boots on the ground. It's you got you got to lead to a response. Yep. you got to have someone led to a response. Because what we see in this chapter in verse 37, everybody hears these things, and they look at one another, and then they address the apostles, and they say, Brothers, what do we do? There's a response, man. And I think yeah. I think this is the one, bar none, all of us are uncomfortable with. Yeah, yeah. All of us leave it, but the reality is, is that God uses the moment. Yeah. And so as you're sharing Christ with someone, yeah. as you're opening your mouth, using the scriptures, getting to Jesus, yeah. you can say, hey, do you want to pray right now? Is that right. something that you want to do now? Yeah. What do you think about that now? Yeah. You've got to put the ball of responsibility in their court. Yeah, yeah. well, and I think, I think I want to talk about this for just a moment because the way I grew up in North Texas, sort of the Bible Belt, but the church was a little more on the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of, of biblical stuff. And then... And then we're in the thick of it now in the Bible Belt where you see the whole spectrum. And I think when when people hear, and maybe even us, we hear lead to a response, we immediately go to those, like, track questions of, like, if you were to die today, do you know where you'd go? Right. Like, and is there... What what is a loving and gracious but truthful invitation yeah. that we can extend to somebody to respond to the message of Jesus yeah. in the content that we're in, the context that we're in in Southeast Missouri? I think there's two things because there there are two responses to Jesus that we see in the Gospels. Yeah. Um, the first one, Jesus asked this question himself, so yeah. it's a very good tool to use. Yeah. Who do you say that I am? Right. So I think you can lead to a response and say, who who is Jesus to you, like, what? Do, yeah. who do you say that he is? Yeah. There's that, or the second one is, have you ever experienced the love of God in Jesus Christ? Let's go. Yeah. Have, have, have you ever experienced that in your life? Yeah. Because through a humble response, you can. So, yeah. so I think those two are, are yeah. very healthy ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Who do you say that Jesus is, and have yeah. you ever experienced the love of God in Christ? It's interesting to me that it goes back to asking questions again, which is really helpful, as yep. opposed to just making statements. Yeah. Statements can be made, but questions are powerful. Sure. Open your mouth, use the scriptures, get to Jesus, and lead to a response. And ultimately, the application here, what you, what you let us into, is salvation is not an invitation from a nice guy, but it, it's a summons from a king. 100%. It's an authority that is ultimately submitted to. Um, we are being saved by someone who is 
beyond our comprehension and imagination when it comes to power and glory and majesty, but so intimate and close to us when it comes to love and care. And we said this on Sunday, we don't make like, you know, a very common gospel response is, you know, every head bowed, every eye closed. And if you want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, I understand. I understand what we're trying to do. Yeah. But somewhere along the line, that became gospel. Right. And it's not because Peter says, God has already, the Father has made him Lord in Christ. Right. Jesus is Lord. Yeah. The question is, will you bow your knee? Yeah. That's the only question on the table. We are not making Jesus anything. Yeah. Jesus is. Yeah. We are therefore responding to who he is, which leads us into the next part. Yeah. That the Holy Spirit empowers us to practice, to live out the gospel. Yeah. I love uh, I love your illustration about Isaac Newton um, and sort of the the law that he had. Not thermodynamics. Was it gravity? Was yeah, it it's gra- just Newton uh, or Newton's Newton. laws of physics. Laws of physics. Yeah, that's sure. It. Sorry, my brain's uh, just the coffee. That's what it I is. asked I'm the question. So I was like, "Does anybody know Newton's third law?" And everybody looked at me like, "You're an idiot." Of course, we don't know. <laughs> like, why would you? You would. You didn't yeah, know till you wrote for, the message. For every bro. action, there's an equal and opposite reaction yeah. in terms of force, in terms of all of those things. And so, uh, and it's the same thing with the gospel. And it's, it's cool that he sort of, um, that knowing that he's a believer, which they don't teach you in school, yep. um, is, is very true, uh, with sin and, and death and then salvation. I mean, with every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, but also on the other side of it. As sure. Well. Yeah. No, the reason why I said that was, is because that, apart from the fact that the content was getting really heavy and right. I needed to show a picture or have a little uh, illustration there was, you're, you cannot be indifferent to the message. Right. You you can't be. Yeah. You either bow the knee right. or you continue in rebellion. Yeah. And that is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, you know, man. So. And, that, well, and the three things that are broken down here for us, um, we, we can start with number one, and we see it right there in verse 38. It's yeah. repent. They say, what do we do? And he says, repent and be baptized. <laughs> repent and be baptized. So this... And I love how often at Westside we come back to this because because we we love to root ourselves in the messages that we find in the scriptures, and we, I mean we see Jesus communicating this at his baptism. We see this in Mark when Jesus is being baptized and just before he goes into the wilderness, and see it in Matthew as well to repent. It's the first sermon Jesus preaches yeah. in Mark one. Yeah, it's it's what we see in the scriptures as the New Testament. I mean, it's it's the New Testament gospel. This is a Christian life. It's repent, repent and believe and be baptized. And I want to talk about this word repent for a moment because I think we have this idea of repentance and what we think it is, but just for just for some clarity, does repentance happen once or is it an ongoing thing? And then I got another question about repentance after after that. Great question. Yeah. Repentance unto salvation, I believe, happens once. But as Martin Luther nailed the 95 Thesis, which was the 95 indictments to the Roman Catholic Church, the preface to it in the paragraph before is, the entirety of the Christian life is one unto repentance. Mm. So the whole life is that. But my favorite illustration of repentance comes from Jesus and the story of the prodigal son. Yeah. And he's in the pigsty and he's broke as a joke and the strippers have left and yeah. the cocaine isn't there anymore and there's nothing left, man. Yeah. And he's in a pigsty and he's looking at this pig and he's eating the same food that the pig is. And he goes, wait a second, my dad's servants have it better than, than this pig. Yeah. Why don't I just go home? Mm. 
and it says that he has a change of mind yeah. and he goes home. Yeah. And so religion says, I screwed up. My dad is going to kill me. Yeah. Repentance says, I screwed up and I need to call my dad. Yeah. Those are two fundamentally different yeah. pictures, man. Yeah. And so repentance is the change of mind yeah. that leads to a change of direction in yeah. your life. Oh, that's really good. The second question I had about repentance is, are we, is repentance happen generally for sin? Like, let's say we're believers and we have sin in our lives right. like all believers do. We're, st- we're still fleshly human creatures and not in our resurrected glorified bodies. Are we repenting from general sin or specific sins within our lives. I would ask a question back and say, do you want general grace or specific grace? Come on, man. And and I think that the more specific that you are, because the spirit is a person, it's a relationship. So Courtney, when we have a disagreement, there's not generalities of, well, I'm just mad at you just because. Yeah. You know, it's, hey, when you came in today, your tone and then, you know, it was, it's specifics there. Yeah. And so I think the same is true in the relationship with the Spirit. The yeah. Spirit wants to bring specific things to mind because there needs to be specific healing and answer to prayer. Yeah. So, no, yeah. That's really good. So repent from sin. And then here we go. Express faith through baptism. <laughs> yeah, baptism. Man. When I hear baptism said like that, I just think of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Right. I think, what, is it, what does he say? Oh. Baptism. You two are dumber than a bag of hammers. <laughs> I think is what he says. But then the down to the river to pray. Yeah, oh, right. Man. Yeah. So verse 38 says, and be baptized, every yeah. single one of you. And I know you had mentioned this week that you had a bunch of stuff laid out. You were ready to sort of build a, a biblical argument about baptism and salvation and those yep. things working together and all that. And then you got to uh, just a, a question. But unpack baptism for us for a little bit. You said in the office a few hours ago, yeah, I'm going to do a flyover of that. Like talk to us about baptism for a minute. Yeah, sure. So we would say that baptism is the external um, action of an internal conviction. So just as in the Old Testament, when somebody would convert and the sign was circumcision, we believe that in the New Testament, that the sign is baptism to enter into the covenant of God. That is through the doorway of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When the person stands in the water, they stand as a symbolism of being condemned unto death. And then when they go under that watery grave, they unite with Christ as he was buried into the ground. And as they come out of that water, they come out in symbolism of the resurrection of Jesus Christ to walk in newness of life. It is the tangible, physical way that God has left us to express our faith. Yeah. Um, I believe they're they're called the sacraments or the ordinances, which is the 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 Last Supper, Eucharist, Communion, and then baptism. Yeah. These are big deals that Jesus has left his church. Yeah, no, that's good. Well, and there are a lot of questions that that are asked among Christian circles about baptism and yeah. what whether, you know, should I do it? Should I not? I've, you know, I've been a believer for so many years, but I've never been baptized or is this going to save me or make me, you know, sinless or anything like that. But I also love what you got to is just the the question that you asked is why are you asking? Yeah. I just felt really convicted last week because I had this whole like dissertation and and, and we'll get to it in Acts and I'll talk about it here in just a second. But I was like, you know, I had all this stuff lined out and why Acts 2.38 isn't blank and some people do blank. And then I just felt that, again, you need to check this. Um, <laughs> I just had the, the the impression from the Spirit of God just kind of go, why, why are you asking? Yeah. Like, because, and, and this was the big thing for me, 
because they didn't. Yeah. They asked, what should we do? They just and they like, got the answer. Yeah. yeah. What do we, if this is true, yeah. what do we do with our life? And, yeah. and so I just, I, I, I made a bit of a confession yeah. because I am in this camp as well. How often do we use theological debate as mm. a distraction for biblical obedience? Yeah. It's a lot easier to to try to parse when do you get the spirit? Right. Is it all at once? Is it subsequent? Is it unto salvation? Is right. it like this, that, and the other? And the whole time you've never been baptized. Right. And it's just like, oh man, you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think to answer a couple of questions. Number one, baptism. What we see prescribed, I believe, prescribed for us in the book of Acts is they heard, yeah, they believed, yeah, they repented, they were baptized. Yeah. That's why I am under the conviction of believers' baptism. Yeah. So we don't baptize infants at Westside. Yeah. Listen, I was at a season in my life where I was so close to being <laughs> Presbyterian. It was insane. I had Roman like under the faucet, like almost ready to go. But this is a conviction that I yeah. hold. I have brothers and sisters in Christ who have very strong convictions the other way. And yeah. you know what? We're all going to be in heaven together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But here's what's not questioned. Should you get baptized? Right. Both camps agree. Yeah. The New Testament knows nothing of an unbaptized follower of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I believe, and, and here's the sentence, baptism does not save you. Yeah. If you look at Acts 2.38, everybody says, well, look at Acts 2.38. Peter says that you got to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Right. Well, the word for can be used in a number of ways. Right. And also can be used because yeah. of the forgiveness of sins, because the entire sermon that Peter just <laughs> preached was that Jesus saves you. Right. Goodness gracious. It's like 40 verses that he just <laughs> preaches an entire sermon. And right. what the human mind does is we take three letters right. and we build an entire expression yeah. and a denomination off of it. And it's so heartbreaking to me. So number one, that's not what it means. Yeah. And even grammatically, if I said, Tyler, why don't you take two Tylenol for your headache? Right. Well, am I saying that these two Tylenol give you a headache? Maybe. Right. <laughs> because you have a headache, right. take th that right. is the way that Peter's yeah. using that phrase. Okay. Yeah. No. Number That's two, great. the only thing that is required for you for salvation is the sin that you have committed to contribute to yeah. it. Yeah. The only reason, if, if you give any other answer to the question, Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones would travel around and visit his people in his congregation. He, be he became greatly troubled as he would go over to their house, catechize them and, you know, have tea and like all this type of stuff. And he would ask them, how or why are you a Christian? Yeah. He said they would get really nervous. Well, duh, because Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones is sitting in your living right. room. So that would be nerve wracking <laughs> in and of itself. But he said he got heartbroken because they would always answer in the first person. Mm. They would, you know, inevitably say, well, you know, I, you know, prayed or I, 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 and, and his response was, I was looking for the person who simply said Jesus's name and then something after it. 
Yeah. Just because Jesus says that yeah. I was his, yeah. because Jesus found me, because Jesus saved me. Yeah. The only way that you're a Christian is through the supernatural working of the Holy Spirit right. because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Yeah. Baptism does not wash away your sins. Mm. Jesus washes away your sins, but yeah. the physical way that God has given us to express that is baptism. Yeah. So the sentence that I've always used is this, baptism is not what saves you, but baptism is what saved people do. Yeah. And I just think that's very helpful yeah. to answer the question. That's really good. Well, every every year in the fall and the spring, we have connection class. And yep. immediately following connection class, we have baptisms. Yep. So we've got a baptism service coming up here in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, and we have our baptism class on October 20th. If you have heard all of this and on Sunday, and you have not been baptized since the moment the Lord saved you, yeah. uh, we would invite you to do that. Come to the baptism class on October 20th. There's a sign-up sheet in the lobby at Westside, or you can just uh, send an email to info at westsidepb.org and let Pastor Jason or myself or someone at the church know that you would Amen. like to join that and sign up for that. And listen, yeah. if you have questions too, there's a lot of people that are like, should I be rebapt? Listen, right. just sign up for the class. Yeah. We we let we take this at a very pastoral level. Yeah. We deal with baptism very seriously because yeah. we believe the Bible does. Yeah. And so do exactly what Pastor Tyler said. Just yeah. sign up, shoot us an email if you want yeah. to be a part of and that. And don't uh, at a personal level, don't feel guilty if you've like if you if you've not been if if you feel like you need to be rebaptized or you got or the Lord saved you a long time ago and you've not been baptized yet, I had a story the the long, before 2017 the last time that I had been baptized was before I believe the Lord saved me was I think it was in like 96 or something yeah. like that and I had I was baptized in a church denominationally that like. I mean, I really wrestled and struggled yeah, with sure. like, should I go back to this? Is this something I need to revisit? Yeah. And you baptized me in 2017, yeah, in November of 17. We're coming up on that. And your that, wife was holding Jesse Ray. Yeah, I remember yep. that. And so I want to encourage you guys. You're not alone if, if you're wondering, should I do that? Like the answer is yes. Dude, Just get baptized. We like, had a lady, Miss Linda, yeah. who is well into her 80s, yeah, um, profess faith in Jesus through baptism. Yeah. And so listen, guys, get baptized. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So repent from sin, express faith through baptism. And I love this third one, man. Live your life in community with other believers. Yep. It's so necessary. It's how we're wired. It's how God made us and the way that he made us to be formed for community. Look at what he says in verses 42 through 47. That there are vision here. I'm just going to read them out Amen. loud. Verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Notice that they is the second word. Yep. To the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to everyone as anybody had need. And day by day they attended the temple together and broke bread in their homes, and they received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The amount of people that are in in these short five verses here are thousands of people. Yes. It's it's a community. Yep. It's, it's, it's thousands of people who are being added, hundreds of people day by day on a regular basis. Yeah. And you can't obey any of this unless you're a part of a community. Yeah and, yeah. and I think it was important what stuck out to me, just because these are our vision verses. I mean, I've done whole series right. on just these verses, yeah. and, and you can go check our website out on that. Every year we do a vision statement on these verses, yeah. all of those things. But 
I was just the way that you read that. I was so taken back this week on the plurality of the right. language that that it dawned on me that community is a byproduct of something. Yeah. It is not something that we can create. Yeah. We don't say, hey, down at, you know, Applebee's at Friday at five, <laughs> we're going to have community because right. there's half price margaritas or whatever <laughs> like that. Community is a byproduct of what the the proclamation and the practice of the gospel happens there. Yeah. It's what the spirit empowers. Yeah. And again, the New Testament knows nothing of the Lone Ranger Christian right. who is at home watching Peter on TV on right. Sunday mornings and yeah. then sending in their tithes and offerings. Right. I mean, this is a very up close and personal thing here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I was just struck by that plurality yeah, of language. That's right. Well, we have a lot of avenues within the church that you can be involved in in terms of community. We've got Westside Women on Monday nights at 630. We've got Westside Men on Wednesday nights at 630. We have community groups launching in 2022. If you're serving together on any of our teams at Westside, Kidside, Nursery, Worship, Greeting, Security, Hospitality, all of those things. But one thing that I notice in this group of of verses here is about half of this at the end of the passage takes place outside of the community of the church or even the walls of the church. It's in their homes. It's in the lives that they're living. It's like what we were saying earlier to go to the Friday night game together, invite someone to join your family at a baseball practice. Are you going hiking this weekend? We're going hiking. Come along with us. All of that. And I think it's important, just as we said, I don't want to get too heavily into it since we already talked about it. But invite people into the life you're already living. Yeah. Invite someone into the life you're already living. Call up someone that's in your West Side Women's Pod or your table group. Yeah. Call up a guy who's in your West Side Men group and get together and talk. Ask how one another is doing and pray for one another and be there for one another. That is community that happens both within and outside of the walls of the church. Yeah, you don't need a church program to do Acts 42 through 47. Right, right. You don't need a church program yeah. to give your possessions away to somebody yeah. that's in need. And that's healthy that we have those things. But sure, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, you broke down three, I'm sorry, four ways here um, that sort of kind of outline the enemies of biblical community. Like... And if there's anything right now that has been one of the hardest things societally to achieve, it's community, I think. Yeah, because um, in the age of the social distancing yeah. and, and this, that, and the other, I yeah. was struck by such the plurality of language that right. I thought, well, if you inverse that, you you have the opposite of right. that. Yeah. And and so I think these four things, obviously yeah. the common denominator is the self. Right. But I think all of us, if we're honest, find ourselves saying one of these sentences. Yes, yeah, for sure. Well, the first one's self-sufficiency, which is just essentially saying, I don't need other people. I don't yep. need anyone else. Newsflash, you do. Right. <laughs> like that's something you need. Uh, and going back to what you were just talking about, we have seen a massive exodus from the church yep. in response to COVID, in response to social distance, distancing and isolation and all that. And people are, I mean, to our detriment and horror, people are kind of realizing or maybe believing a lie that they don't need the local gathering. Yeah. They don't need to come to church. They can stay home. They can watch the live stream. They can X, Y, and Z, everything you already said. How can we as believers encourage those who feel like they don't really need to be in a physical community or come to a gathering or be around other people. Yeah. Well, first off, I would say everybody thought when COVID happened, they were like, whoa, look, the future of the church is online. (laughs) And then in about three weeks, we realized, no, that's not the future of the church. Right. So um, I would just gently, but I believe firmly say that you cannot obey 95% 
of the commands in the New Testament yeah. um, without being involved in other people's lives. Yeah. And so to say, I don't need other people is as about as anti-Christ. Yeah, right. um, that is very much so something yeah. that the enemy wants to do is yeah. to isolate. Well, and just and be honest that. with yourself, if you're listening to this, the last time, maybe even now that you were isolated and alone and outside of community, how's that going? Right. How's your marriage? Yep. How's your relationship with your kids? How's your relationship with your family? Yep. It's, it's likely not well. 100%. And I would say that's because we are wired to be in community, but also called as believers and people who claim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in our lives. We've bowed the knee that we are going to be committed to the church and to God's people, yeah. to being in community. So we can't be self, self-sufficient because we do need others. The second one is self-protection, uh, which hits a little harder, kind of stings. It says, I can't trust other people. Um Maybe you can, maybe you can't, but I think ultimately the question I want to ask is how, how can someone who's been deeply wounded, yeah. whether it's by the church or by a believer within a, a congregation, how can we encourage them to take heart and try again? Yeah, um, um, yeah. I, would, I would probably use a C.S. Lewis quote where inevitably he says that if you try to protect your heart by locking it away, inevitably you'll find your heart grow cold mm. and then shatter into a million pieces from you trying to protect it. Yeah. And the reality, what he's saying there is, is that you will get hurt. Yeah. Uh, the common denominator and the difference in the church of Jesus Christ is we don't bail. Yeah. There is forgiveness here. Right. There is growth here. There is. So yes, you will, yeah. you will, you will get hurt. Yeah. That will happen because my favorite definition of church is sinners in close proximity to one another. Yeah. That's like totally what that is. Yeah. And so that is going to happen. But the difference is, is that you don't bail. And I believe that on the other side of that obedience of not bailing is the deepest relationships that you'll ever have. Yeah, no, that's really good. That's really good. Self-sufficiency and self-protection. And then we get self-righteousness. Self-righteousness, which which is long-nosed snobbery. I'm better than other people. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Slash you aren't, okay? <laughs> like, but I think there's things that happen in community. Yeah. And if somebody's confessing something, we sort of, some people, depending on the personality that you have, you just sort of make this little tally mark like, yeah. Oh my God, you struggle with that on the weekend? Like, I can't believe that right. you were drunk and that you dealt with that. Yeah. And my, I don't struggle with any of those things. Right. Like, it's the plank and the log in your eye, right. you know? Yeah, well, I, I wrote down here, and just in allusion to Paul and his conversion, you can get off the horse or God can knock you off. 100%. It's, it's Psalm 23. You can lie down or he'll make you lie down. That's it, man. Um, either way, this communal life requires humility. It's part of... It's, it's, it's part of an aspect of living with the Spirit of God alive inside of us. This humility and this lack of self-righteousness or the absence of it at all. I want to ask a, an important question because I think the self-righteous think that it doesn't hurt anybody to be self-righteous. All it does is lift myself up and make myself feel better. Mm. Who suffers in community with the self-righteous? Like for those who are self-righteous, who does that hurt? Well, I would say this, number one, that... that be- because the way God's commandments are given to us, you can't sin in isolation. Yeah. 
So yeah. nobody sins in isolation because right. that's why the first commandments are directed towards God and then the rest are, din- are directed towards our neighbor. Yeah. So if, if somebody is self-righteous, essentially what you end up have is this Phariseeism to which Jesus says is the most dangerous yeah. because it has an appearance of the knowledge of God and right. an appearance of the power of God. But the reality is, is inside you're filled with dead men's bones. Yeah. And so like simple questions to ask yourself is, you know, do I struggle apologizing? Do mm-hmm. I struggle, um, you know, being led in a relationship? Do I struggle asking for help? Do I struggle being honest? Do I struggle yeah. showing people that I'm hurt, that I'm afraid, asking for help? All of those things are self-righteous. Yeah. And listen, that little demon lives in all of us, yeah. man. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Self-sufficiency, self-protection, self-righteousness, and the last one is self-serving, um, which... In quotations here, it would seem right. I need other people. Right. Um, in reality, we do, but we we need community. But I want to talk about why. How is this different? How is this self serving idea different than a healthy understanding of what community offers? Yeah, this is where I wish I could have read one of my favorite Dietrich Bonhoeffer quotes. But it's where he says that if your if you love your idea of community, yeah. you will inevitably kill the community that you're a part of. Yeah. And it's this ideology, Instagram, right. I need the affirmations, I need to be around other people because I need to yeah. either A, be needed, yeah. B, be wanted, be able to meet needs and yeah. then hear them say blank. And inevitably what happens is that that biblical community becomes an idol yeah. that, that will never fulfill what God was given you to fulfill. Yeah, there's a lot of eyes in those statements too. Yep. I, th- I think a good way to kind of wrap up all of this is is a healthy way to to join with biblical community is to say we need each other. We need Jesus. We need Jesus and we need each other. So if you're listening to this, maybe you've been absent for a while. We miss you. We love you. We want you back. If you're listening to this and you're thinking about leaving the church, don't bail. We love you. We need you and you need us. And we need to be around one another because this is a way that we live in biblical community together. I think... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I think what was cool, what you guys did Sunday in family worship is we're even trying to teach our kids this. And so the song that we sang was Jesus Loves Me, right? Which is great. Yeah. But then you guys changed it to the second part. It was like two halves of the song and it was Jesus Loves Us. Yeah. This I know. And like, yeah. and so it was the plurality of language yeah. because you want to teach kids from the very beginning that it's us, yeah. that it's we, not me right. and all of that. And I just love that, that you guys did that on Sunday yeah. on family worship, because I thought, man, people don't even realize the theological statement that that's yeah. making because we grow up with Jesus loves me, right. the personal yeah. private aspect of right. that, but teaching our kids the we aspect in the body of Christ yeah. is so important. I, I just appreciated that. I think that. it was a statistic that you sent me a couple of weeks back about the the crisis in terms of me versus we language that that is in the, uh, oh, man. the singing gathering yeah. when it comes to the portion of us singing and declaring songs together. CCLI, I think it was somewhere around 70 to 80% yeah. of the top songs yeah. on Christian radio and sung in church. Yeah are in the singular yeah, personal. It was the, the reverse of that was more striking. It was 5% yes. use we and us language, yep. communal language. And so I love I love being aware of stuff like that and you bringing that to my attention because that's what we need, man. Yeah, dude. And we absolutely... It's important to know that Jesus loves me, but it's also important to know that Jesus loves us. It's personal but not private. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, this... 
you have here written down the spirit-filled vision of Acts 2 only works corporately as it's applied individually. Yeah. So there is an individual aspect of this, but nine times out of 10, what needs what needs to be brought to your attention is going to be brought to your attention by God's people and then applied by yourself and the Holy Spirit empowering you to do so. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that these questions that you closed us out with are going to be monumentally helpful. They're extremely convicting. I was back behind you. Like I just finished tuning my guitar and I heard you ask these questions and I was like, Oh, yeah, dude, the one, the, like, the, the prayer one, yeah. I, I was just like, what if the barometer of this yeah. church, Jason, was your prayer life? Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing with serving and same with love as well. So I'm going to ask these questions and let them sit. And then um, I'm going to read this quote by John Stott. Actually, I'm just going to go straight to First uh, John chapter four after love I read it. this. So here are the questions. What if the majority of Westside served as much as you do? Where would we be? Would we have a lot? Would we have a little? What if the majority of Westside gave as much as you do? Where would we be? And what if the majority of Westside loved other people as much as you do? The same thing as prayer. What if the majority of Westside's prayer was based upon how much you prayed? Powerful questions for us to be able to think about in terms of community and all of that. I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Before I get there, do you have any closing thoughts from this week and from the sermon, anything you want to leave people with? Oh, yeah, man. I think I've always loved Acts chapter 2, but I don't think I've understood after spending two weeks in it that um, Acts chapter 2 is the hinge that the Gospels and the rest of the New Testament swing on yeah. for the indwelling and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. It is like Pentecost is a big deal. Yeah. And Acts chapter 2 is so rich yeah. of linking the Old Testament together, but then seeing the effects of it in the birth of the new church. Yeah. And what stands out is just how God spoke in the beginning and God said, and then there was in creation God creates his church through a sermon as well. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I just love it. Yeah. Well, part of this quote from John Stott was, the Holy Spirit did come on the day of Pentecost and has never left his church. Amen. Never left his church. Listen to these words from 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. But we are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And by this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word. Thank you guys for joining us for the rest of the sermon. We want you guys to send us in your questions for the podcast. Uh, Any questions that you have when we get into content on a Sunday morning, you're like, oh my goodness, do I have to be baptized to be saved? You can send those questions to info at westsidepb.com. 
Org. Again, we got Westside Women going on right now on Monday nights at 6.30, Westside Men on Wednesday nights at 6.30. Uh, we've got a Kidside uh, training coming up here soon. I can't remember the date for that. That's this a, Sunday. This coming Sunday. 8.45 a.m. Yeah, this coming Sunday, 8.45 a.m. And we also have um, worship team sign-ups. So if you have an, a, a gift on an instrument or you can sing or audiovisual talent. Or as I like to call them, ministers of illumination and amplification. <laughs> so great. We've got uh, application in the lobby at the Welcome Center at Westside for you to check out. Anything else I'm missing? Anything else uh, we, we got Fall up? Fest coming up yes, at the end of the month. Fest, 24th. Check that out. It's, yeah. Everything's going to be great. It's, yes. it's just fall, man. Yeah. It's just fall, yeah. which means get baptized and get in church. <laughs> I don't know. I just love it, man. Repent, I love it. believe, be baptized yes. and come to Fall Fest. Yes. That's in there. It's the new translation. I well, love thank it. you guys. We love you. Thanks for listening to the rest of the sermon. And as always, may everything we say and do be all about Jesus. Blessings, guys. Blessings, guys.